Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Shop Talk Show. We have two lovely sponsors this week. Harvest at GetHarvest.com's time-tracking tool for professionals and does invoicing and stuff. Get a 30-day free trial by using coupon code SHOPTALK, also 50% off your first month. And Artifact Conf coming up to Dave's hometown of Austin. That's ArtifactConf.com slash Austin. We'll tell you more about both those things later in the show. But for now, let's kick things off. Welcome, Shopamaniacs, to the 110th episode on our way to episode 123 uh, of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we have a fabulous show today. We have Julie Ann Horvath. Hey, Julie. Hey. <laughs> Hello, Internet. <laughs> They're all listening. So, so uh, we booked Julie a long time ago, and you. so you're, you're I don't know, maybe... I don't know. It's kind of an interesting time in your life, as it were, a little bit. Right? Is that right? <laughs> it is an interesting time in my life. Um, I'm doing great, though. I just joined a new consultancy. Um, our name is Anya, and I'm currently doing design work for them, designing coding stuff. So, literally, andyet.com. In that, it's like an ampersand yet, is like the the logo type for it. So, what are they all about? Um, so Anya does a ton of stuff. We build our own products internally. Um, we have a chat client, mostly real-time applications, but we also do some client work for big companies like AT&T. Um, we have a security team. We do security audits for companies like GitHub. And um, I don't know, we do we put on conferences, we um, write books, we... Holy uh, cow, really? <laughs> so you do client work and have apps of your own and put on conferences... And yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, and you test security exploits. Yeah, is it? Whoa. Yeah, so um, a ton of different like consultancy services, but also um, a lot of community work. Uh, we also sponsor a ton of community events, um, and it's definitely big about uh, not just the JavaScript community, but the community at large. So it's it looks a great like there's company. like thirty of you, maybe. Yeah, it's a really small shop, which is um, really awesome uh, as far as like, you know, having to communicate things. And it's all people who are deeply invested in like working with other great people and being super respectful and supportive, which is um, if anyone has <laughs> uh, any um, exposure to my recent situation with uh, leaving my previous employer, GitHub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's actually been a really awesome um step up i guess as far as a uh, work environment for me yeah and it's i do you have to are you going to specifically avoid working on the things that this company does with github i, I maybe we should back <laughs> up a little bit before that a little bit just just so people understand yeah. what the, the stuff that happened in your life way back when you were at yabber and then left yammer for github right is that was um, the thing that happened so there's actually a company in between i was so i have a really interesting background i actually studied creative writing um in college and actually uh english and uh medieval 
uh, literature. So uh, not, not too relevant. So this is so great. I have so many questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't worry. I have like Chaucer tattoos. It's pretty nerdy. Um, and so <laughs> I went to Yammer as like an intern doing like really basic data entry stuff and then um, started asking for more and more responsibility. And so I started writing website copy and doing that kind of um, kind of work for them. And then eventually kind of just threw my hand up one day and said, hey, I can build a website. Had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but luckily there are resources like, you know, CSS tricks where I could just Google something and figure it out. So um, I ended up starting to build uh, all the microsites for the marketing team and started becoming sort of their liaison to engineering. And that's how I got into engineering originally. And then worked for, I left Yammer uh, to join the VP of sales and a really early engineer from Yammer at this company called Cherry, which if anyone's familiar with, we did, it was like Uber for car washes. So it's like a really interesting model. And the cool thing for me was I got to own the entire front end of the application. And I started using things like Git and GitHub and working, um, you know, on branches and really becoming part of like an engineering team, which is um, super helpful for someone who doesn't have an engineering background. And so uh, from then on, I went to GitHub and was at GitHub for two years until uh, March of this year. Okay. Awesome. So, so, and then I don't know, I mean, well, why don't we just launch into the, to the hashtag yeah, hot drama I, part of it? If we, I guess if, for those who, who aren't aware, you left GitHub um, kind of publicly on Twitter and then that caused like a, quite a, a, what would you call it? Tech news storm um, across all the uh journalistic outlets like TechCrunch and stuff? Yeah. Um, you just weren't so, treated very well there is the point, right? Uh, no. And and I still um, I still have a lot of friends there and there are some really good people there. I don't believe in, you know, there's, you know, good organizations and bad organizations. I don't think that's really a thing. I think that there was definitely um, a toxic environment at GitHub. And I think it was particularly evident to people who, um, you know, didn't necessarily fit the mold. Uh, I think if you are a 20 something year old white male who listens to techno, I think GitHub may be like your utopia and it may be the perfect place to work. But um, for me as someone who's, you know, not those things and also incredibly outspoken and who demands to be treated, you know, respectfully as everyone in a working environment should, it wasn't um, the best place for me. Um, I, I definitely, uh, ran into some really, uh, toxic personal situations there and like sort of being bullied by, uh, one of the founders and his wife. And then, um, eventually, uh, getting into this really bad situation with another engineer there who was eventually promoted to a leadership position, which terrified me and actually was a big part of why I left GitHub, um, when I basically, we had been friends for a long time and I really felt like there's this weird thing in tech where there's a lot of overlap between your personal life and your social life with work. I mean, a lot of the people specifically at GitHub, like they all hang out together, they go on trips together, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's not really a lot of boundaries drawn there. And I think that can actually end up being a really negative thing, especially when it comes to um, putting in constraints that protects, you know, marginalized people or people who aren't normally going to rise to, you know, the apex position as far as power dynamics go um, naturally in an environment like that. And so um, I got into this position where uh, a male engineer had asked, um, had sort of showed up at my house and like 
you know, we were friends. And so like, I, I really did have like a lot of empathy for this person. Um, but he knew I was in a relationship with someone at the time and he kind of almost, he like forced himself, um, not physically on me, but emotionally. And, you know, said that we should be together and all this like really weird shit that I had not clued into before. And then, um, you know, and that was fine. And I, I kind of wore it and was like, you know what, this is going to be awkward for a while, but I'll deal with it. And I said, no. And I asked him to leave my house, but the, the part that got really hard for me professionally was when, um, sort of this pattern of passive aggressive behavior started when he started ripping out my code, you know, from projects, um, that I was working on, I would, you know, work, you know, on design stuff. Um, I design in browser. So all of my design work is basically done on a branch or, you know, in the actual code base. And so what I would do is I would push up changes and then, you know, post a screenshot on a pull request and go to bed. The next day I would like run the project locally and my stuff would just be gone. And there wouldn't be, you know, a comment on the port request or an email or not even an IM, like nothing. And, um, you know, after a while, I realized, oh, wow, like he's retaliating against me um, for not dating him or not f***ing him, excuse my language. But it's it's kind of crazy when you can't work in an environment where, you know, men especially aren't mature enough to deal with their own feelings. Um, so like a, a one-sided romantic endeavor turned <laughs> into a, a like a uh, I guess like a he he was just trying to I don't know just like sabotage basically make you not exist by punish ripping me. out everything I yeah mean, punish yeah. you and that's yeah. that's crazy I mean to think that you know and 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 in my experience in my experience, which we should probably just clarify for most men out there that is not actually how you <laughs> how you woo a lady yeah uh, it's sort of anyway. like the playground syndrome like where boys like they like a girl so they like pull your hair or like push you on the ground it was sort of like similar to that it was so you know looking back it's like i actually felt responsible for it too because i felt so responsible for this person's feelings but then after a while i was like what the fuck am i doing like no i'm not responsible for this person's feelings in no way am i responsible at all for you know their boner um that's not my problem especially when it comes to my work and you know what i value my work and i am good at what i do and so it was really hard for me to deal with and you know i brought this up to hr i brought it up to um i tried to bring it up to the founder you know and i was like constantly dismissed um and it, it's hard because there's this thing at startups too where they there's this, there's this idea of the tribe and the tribe is the mold right it's those people that you know i feel like startups tend to hire like copies of themselves you know like it's very rare that someone will reach outside of their immediate friend network to hire someone um, we call them culture fits yeah um. quote unquote culture fits <laughs> just kidding. um you know and i bought into this for a really long time but the problem with it is is you kind of create this tribe mentality that if someone if someone disagrees with that tribe or you know um throws their hand up and says something is wrong that person you know the company it's in the company's best interest to protect the pri- the tribe not that person um, which creates a lot of these really dangerous situations. And so for a long time, I didn't feel like I could say anything because this person was really well-liked. People think he's funny, you know? And I thought that for a long time too, until I realized how potentially like dangerous and toxic this, toxic this situation, you know, could be. And luckily for me, you know, I'm, I've been through a lot in my life um, and I'm strong enough to realize that these things are bad. I don't think that a lot of younger women who are just coming into the industry, I think that they would feel a lot more trapped. For me, I was lucky that, you know, I was pretty well established in the community. 
Um, and I made myself incredible, like really visible before this stuff happened, because I think if I didn't have those things, if I hadn't done those things, then I would have been in a much worse position. So if, if you feel like if you were kind of anonymous in our industry, yeah, you, or if I, you would have not had, I guess, a foothold to get out of your situation. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Or to speak out, like I was lucky in that I was joining, you know, and I had, um, my new boss, uh, Adam Brault, who's an amazing human being, uh, he had known about the situation that I had been in for a year and a half. I'd been talking to him about it and he, you know, wasn't just, you know, in it for the talent grab. He actually provided a lot of support for me and was kind of my sanity check in telling me that, no, these things don't happen at every company and no, they're not normal and no, they're not okay. And so, you know, when I said that, Hey, Adam, like I want to join your team, he was, you know, that whole team stood behind me during, you know, the whole media fallout and harassment and everything like that, that kind of, um, happened once I decided to speak out against it. But I don't think everyone has that. And I don't think everyone, I think, you know, a lot of people would look at this situation and say, oh, wow, like Julie will never be employed again. Or Julie, you know, you know, there were top people on Hacker News talking about blackballing me and how they would never hire someone like me. And so, you know, why, why would younger women who are just entering this industry, why would they speak out now? You know, like we're setting such a bad example for them because we're saying, oh, like if you don't have, you know, in Twitter followers or you don't have a job already lined up, like you're completely and you have to deal with these situations and play with the boys club until you can create, you know, the circumstances from which by which you can leave. Wow. (laughs) That's messed up. I mean, they see it. It's not even a theoretical feeling. They're looking at comments at places that say I would never hire. Yeah, that's and- that's the biggest th- thing is like when a feminist who's vocal about a situation or a power dynamic or something in our industry, they'll say something, you know, then it hits Hacker News and then all these like, I guess, <laughs> male rights activists or whatever. I don't want to like pigeonhole everyone, but, you know, they know these people come out and, and it's like they feel like it's okay to like make death threats and stuff. And and it's just turns into this like crazy world. Um, how, I guess, how did you kind of deal with the, the emotional side of all that? That, that would be the most hardest part for me, I think. Um, I, it was definitely hard. I, I come from a really tough background. Um, you know, so I, I don't think. Are you like Irish Catholic? Is that <laughs> No, that's where I was going with that. So I grew up in the East Bay um, and grew up in sort of, I guess, what you would call like sort of an underprivileged community. And so um, kind of rough, I guess. And so it wasn't necessarily the threats that got to me um, as much as anything else. Um, But, you know, what really helped me is I watched I've watched several women go through this before. And if it wasn't for women like Adria Richards, if it wasn't for women, you know, like Ash Dryden and everyone who continuously like talk about their experiences and why and how they deal with them, I was floored at the fact that, you know, and I've actually defended GitHub to people like Ash and Shanley and everyone before and the culture there. And I felt horrible about the bad things that I had said about them and, um, the first thing I did when all this went down and I started seeing people's reactions to it was I sent them both emails and apologized to them. Um, and I was floored at their responses and coming to bat for me and supporting me. And they, there was this, um, I think Leigh Honeywell sent me this or Ash sent it through, uh, Leigh Honeywell, but it was basically like this 
document on how to survive, um, you know, an internet attack. And it was, it was awesome to know that that support was there and that even in people who maybe would have been enemies while I was at GitHub really showed up to be allies for me. And again, watching, watching what Adrian Richards went through last year. Um, and it's funny, actually, I saw this on time hop every March, something like this has happened, by the way. Um, the, hmm. the original Geekless scandal with Shanley happened in March, um, two years ago. Last March uh, was the scandal or uh, dongle gate, I guess. I don't know why everyone has to attach a gate to something to make it seem like, I don't know, dramatic or something. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, so that happened exactly a year ago in March. And then this happened in March and not by my planning by any means. I had actually worked really hard to secure like a really quiet and safe exit from GitHub. And it wasn't until, you know, employees felt the need to kind of bash me on, you know, that, that app secret that I really kind of just, I was pushed until the very last minute, you know, like bullied until like the very last day. I couldn't even leave. They wouldn't even let me leave peacefully. Um, it was really sad. But yeah, I think the, the best thing for me was knowing that other women had gone through this and survived and that, you know, and, and watching all of that go down um, for the last two years, it really made me a lot stronger. And also my support system outside of the internet. I think a lot of us get caught up in the idea that, you know, like, because again, like our social lives get so wrapped up in our work lives that it kind of seems like our entire world. And for me, for the last year, what I've really tried to do is make sure that I'm building a good support system outside of work and outside of the internet so that, you know, it's not my entire world. Um, but don't get me wrong. Like I cried a lot and <laughs> I definitely had some really dark moments, but again, I have a therapist that I go to. I have a psychiatrist. I have, you know, really good friends from home and family and, um, you know, a really supportive partner. So I, you know, that's how I got through it. It's, that's not, it's nice that you have all that. Not everybody does, right? No, not everybody does. And I think, but everything, I think that people should really work on that part of themselves and realize that, you know, work's not everything and the internet's not everything. Um, it's a beautiful place and I love the web. A big, a big thing that I really came out and said during all this was I'm not leaving. I'm not hiding. Like this is my community. Um, I love all the work. I love CSS. I love writing code. I love designing things. I love being a nerd and I'm not going to go and hide because internet bullies exist. Yeah. Well, that's, can we just clap? Is there clapping <laughs> a thing? On... Maybe I have a clap. I, nope. I don't have a good <laughs> clapping sound. Effect. Here's the only kind of celebratory one I got. That's terrible. That's, <laughs> that's awful. Yeah. Dave, you're fired. <laughs> I know. I'm firing myself. Aww. Okay. So, and but but I like that the show started with, and we can end this section with the fact that then you you left and we got through it, despite it being a, a sucky exit. And now we're at somewhere that takes this stuff more seriously and is more supportive and and happier. Yeah. So supportive. Um... Yeah. Shout out to my team. They're so amazing. Um, I am more and more impressed with, um, uh, while getting, I've been more and more impressed while getting to know, uh, new, like my new teammates and again, super supportive. And I can talk like they watched all this happen and I know that they were probably really worried about me. Um, I kept getting like pings from Adam saying, Hey, the team's kind of like, are you doing okay? And, um, I'm always like choked up right now just because of how much they care and they, you know, barely know me. 
Um, so I think that's a really good indicator that I'm in a, I'm in a much better place. And it's definitely a place where people are definitely way more accountable for their behavior and their actions. Um, and they're accountable to one another too. And that's the most important part, I think, when you're building a team. Fantastic. Yeah. Is that, so is that, <laughs> I guess, a requirement for getting hired then? is So I think a lot of criticism came out about the like flat hierarchy uh, yeah. mythos, um, maybe we'll call it. Uh, yeah, but, um, absolutely. I mean, I don't think that they look for, you know, clones of themselves to hire. So, like, you know, like, I feel like what startups do a lot is they look for people who aren't going to rock the boat. Um, that like look for people who will rock it as much as possible, but care when they do. Um, and that's the difference about, you know, the team that I'm on now is, um, more opinionated. There's a lot of people who are really opinionated who, um, Mike Spiegel, one of my coworkers describes himself as a recovering or Fritzy, sorry, describes himself as a recovering asshole. Like we're all really honest about, you know, the <laughs> things we struggle with and our own biases and, but we're really open about it. And we talk to each other. Like I flat out said, I said, Hey, like, if you're worried about, you know, what I went through or you want to talk or I ever offend anyone, like, come and talk to me. Like, let's have a conversation about it and, and work it out. Um, what I saw at GitHub oftentimes was people wouldn't do that. And so it would turn into sort of this pattern of like passive aggressive behavior and then talking. And then it just really wound up looking like a lot of really insecure people. Like if you're secure with yourself um, and you care about the people you work with, like you'll go to them and you'll work out your problems with them. And if they can't be worked out, then go to HR, you know, don't go and post on secret or whatever else, you know, because or get a therapist, Jesus Christ, like <laughs> get a therapist. Um, that's what they're there for. Um, but yeah, so that's a really big part of, um, you know, the team I'm on now is that accountability with one another and it is a requirement and that's why, you know, and I think people miss out on that when they grow really fast, um, as well. And, one reason that I'm really glad to be on a really small team is that communication is a lot more manageable and you can, you have time and you have the energy to talk to other people when you see something that you don't like. There's, there's a hard one. I don't know. I feel like I just felt compelled to ask this a little bit because you still, you still have friends there. It's in, you know, there's surely, surely this hasn't all shake, shaken out there yet. Right. Is it, is it? Yeah, surely. And, but I bet, you know, 95% of everybody that is involved, you know, the listeners of the show right now in the chat room and certainly me and Dave and so we all use it. It's like the one like totally ubiquitous software in tech. Yeah. Like, should we, should we? <laughs> sh- Don't uh, stop using GitHub, the product. Like that is never the something that I wanted. Yeah, I that mean, I know not, that. Yeah. I mean, the people I like. But what if it got worse? Yeah. Then we should, right? Like it, like, like just at the moment well, we should. Yeah, I mean, if they don't hand, if if they don't require that, you know, the harassers and you know those the people who, you know, are are obviously hurting other people at the company. Like, if they don't require accountability from those people, then yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny. I got like a, <laughs> I got a job offer from Atlassian for Bitbucket. <laughs> almost immediately. And I almost like had to screenshot <laughs> it and just send it to everyone. It was just so funny. Um, uh, sorry, Atlassian, that was kind of me, but, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's the answer here. I think the answer is to hold the people, um, who are accountable, like hold them accountable for their actions, get rid of them moving forward. Um, and let this be a lesson, you know, and Chris, um, Wanshroff, who's, you know, one of the founders and even Brian Tomiko, who's the CTO now, they're amazing people. And I believe oh, in them. It like, wasn't Chris's I, wife that was the problem. 
Chris doesn't have a wife, though. No. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. No, um, no, they're amazing people, and I believe in them. Um, and I, there's a lot of people I believe in there still, and I think that the founders and the leadership team need to be accountable to them and not, you know, the harassers and their friends, you know, like that's, uh, you know, they, they, and let this, you know, be a lesson. And I've, I've spent the last two years, um, talking to Chris and to make it and talking to people about this and trying to get this through. Um, and it just didn't ever, you know, didn't ever get through to them, but I hope it did now. I mean, not to say that, you know, it was like a vengeful, like that's not at all what, um, me speaking out was about, but, uh, I hope that they let go of the idea that, you know, GitHub's the perfect place to work, stop focusing on that idea so much and focus on making it a, a healthy place to work. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the big criticism is they, it's still like great people or, uh, you know, for the most part. And then, but they just didn't have a system in place to address no. employee yeah. concerns. So. No, they yeah. didn't, and they didn't take it seriously, I think, for a really long time. I knew they really struggled with finding, you know, an HR lead who knew HR law very well. Um, I think this is going to shake out uh, from what I've been hearing from internal, from people that are still there, is that it will shake out and that they're making the right moves now. Although it's interesting because, like, they're, like, investigating, they hired an outside firm to do an investigation, but, like, I haven't gotten a phone call. So it's pretty, I don't know exactly, you know, how... Um, uh, how thorough that is, but, um, it seems like it's really evident, uh, you know, and there's proof. The funny thing is, is like the, the thing that get makes possible is like, there's proof that this person went in and ripped out my code. Like there is proof that I reverted his commits. There is proof. Like those are all things that are very tangible. There are emails. Like I have, um, I mean, I don't have, uh, <laughs> like a lot of emails documenting all of my situation. And I, I, that's what I did is I spent the last two years documenting all of this stuff so that there was, solid proof of all these things happening. And, and, you know, if nerds are good at anything, it's, it's, you know, consuming data. And so yeah. they should be able to figure it out, um, and, and make the right decisions. Um, but yeah, and also put it in a place, you know, and the other thing I see happening at startups a lot, um, just in my last like five or six years is people who maybe are early engineers or early designers, they get put into positions of leadership simply because, um, they're good at what they do or they've been there a really long time. That is absolutely the wrong way to build a company. Um, because what happens is you get people who have no experience managing people dealing with conflicts, um, HR law, uh, conflict resolution, all of these things, they have zero experience in dealing with any of these things. And they may have their own biases that, you know, are creating those unfair power dynamics as well. And so I like, I urge startups don't do that. Like hire, like if you have to hire outside, like take the hit, like take the hit to your culture, whatever you think it's going to be and build a healthy work environment, because that's how you're going to get diversity. You're not going to get diversity by like throwing events or, or throwing money at, um, you know, organizations like you're going to get diversity by making your company a healthy place to work and a good place to work. People who can come together and do good work together, independent of who they are and what they look like, you know, what their gender is, um, what ethnicity they belong to or what race. Hmm. So that's my rallying cry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. That was... <laughs> that's a better one. Yeah. And then this great job. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> You're fired again. <laughs> yeah, I'm back on the job. Jeez, Louise, what am I doing? <laughs> Let me do a sponsor, and then we'll do. We'll maybe we'll move into some other drama of the week, and then let's try to get to some questions before we're out here too. Um, Absolutely. 
Git Git Harvest is one of them. So it's Git literally. I mean, the the the, the software is called Harvest, but the URL is githarvest.com. Uh, it's beautifully crafted business tool for for tracking time on client projects. So if you even if you're freelance or whatever, or you work for a large team, uh, it's for it's for tracking time for accountability of what the what the thing is you're spending time and then you can then take that time and assign it an invoice from that so it's kind of like this very nice tool for time tracking and invoicing the client so you know how you're spending your time and you can be accountable for it and and be useful with that data so they have apps on all the different ios devices and stuff which are very nice as well as native mac apps i think i mentioned back in the day one of the cool ones is that they like they have like a it's like a menu bar app for 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 Mac and like if you if you're working on something and you picked like I'm working on this project for and yet or whatever and then you walk away and go to lunch and forgot to stop when you come back it'll be like oh you totally walked away and weren't working <laughs> were you at a meeting for that client and assign the time to that or were you at lunch or whatever and then just get rid of that time and start the timer over again so there's like some smart UX that that their apps do that I think is pretty cool Anyway, 30-day free trial, 50% off your first month. Use coupon code SHOPTALK. Let's do something else. Wasn't there? Wasn't the other big drama of the week was Mozilla, essentially, right? <laughs> Is that the law and order sound? Yeah, oh, it's dramatic. Sorry. Yeah, it's really um. dramatic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually, I had removed myself enough from the internet uh, in the last two weeks, at least a little bit. Um to not really know exactly what was going on at Mozilla. Um, from what I understand, it's the the um, CEO, but until recently, the CTO, he had been CTO already, um, who is the creator inventor. of JavaScript. Yeah, Brandon inventor I, of JavaScript. Yeah, kind of um, who, I guess he, you know, donated money to support Prop 8, which, um, you know, is In is 2008, I think. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that has, yeah, and then has, you know, written several times saying, I don't, it's trying to say the right thing, but never saying that that I think gay marriage is in any way okay. Never said that. He's he's, he's maintained and said between the lines essentially that I believe that it's not okay and. I'm going to keep wow. on thinking that kind of. That's what I read into it anyway, and that's why I'm, I'm you know, not even trying to, to to be cool about this. So I think that's extremely uncool, and I get that. You know, diversity is one thing. You can you can have diverse opinions. We can disagree on whether the city should build a train or not. You know, that's like a political issue. But I don't think that we need diversity and hatred. You know, like the <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really sad. Um, yeah, again, like accountability, right? Like it's like who like who are you hurting in 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 your own like in in being sort of that stubborn person, right? Um for me, gay marriage is incredibly important. I have um several gay friends. I have I I've had a, a gay aunt growing up and uh I was it was explained to me like very early. Like I remember this specific situation that really kind of broke my heart. Um when I was really young, I asked um I think I asked like my aunt, I was like, Oh, like, are you going to get married to, you know, your, I was like her, her partner at the time, Cindy. Um, and she just started crying. And like, as a little girl to like watch someone older that you respect cry, it's like a really devastating thing or a little boy. I think little boys cry too. It's a thing. Um, it was like really hard to watch. And ever since then I've been incredibly rigid. I'm like, no, it is no one's right to deny someone else. Um, 
marriage, the right to marriage or the right to be with whoever you want to be with. Anytime that someone crosses the line to say that someone else's beliefs are wrong, like even feel, I feel that way about religion too. Like I don't go out of my way to tell people who are religious or who do, you know, find strength in things like Christianity or whatever. I don't go out of my way to tell them that they're wrong because it's not my place. And I feel really similarly about, um, about this kind of conflict that's going on in Mozilla right now. And, um, I don't know. I'm really disappointed, I guess. And I know a lot of, that's the, the, the hurtful thing too, is like, I know a ton of really awesome people at Mozilla and I know that they're going through, like, it's kind of like the position of like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like there are some people who really enjoy their work there and want to stay there, but then, you know, really want to stand up for their own rights and, and make a statement in the way of like leaving. So it's a really tough um, situation. I'm sure that's similar to what people are going through, although not as important, I think, as what people are going through at GitHub right now. Yeah, it's it's tricky because it's a you know he's he was very involved before, so it's just kind of a, a small shift in job form that's kind of re dug up dug up the sand a little bit here. But but CEO is is the leader of a company, so it, it does yeah. it makes an incre- huge impact and. It does. And, and I've always said this, but like it's people, attitude is trickle down. John Rizek actually said this. We keynoted um, Coder Day of Service together recently, but he said that like your community will mimic you. Um, and that's, and I, I see that happening with founders all the time, right? Like attitude to way people, the way that people treat other people is totally trickle down. Um, you're setting an example for people. And if you're saying it's okay to be hateful and it's okay, you know, I support this like hatred, like you said, um, it's really kind of devastating to the to that organization, I guess. Yeah, it, 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 you know, and he, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Certainly, it, it certainly is, is worth talking about, and, and uh, the, the variety of opinions are interesting. I have yet to read a, a, a hardcore defense of him. I, I admit that I generally read the articles that are like, you know, in support of the, the other side. I guess, but oh, it, it just it it. You know what I know about Mozilla and the people that I actually know that work at Mozilla. This seem it seems very different than their value set, and so that's what it's a weird situation. You know that people are boycotting Mozilla and, and setting up blockers for Firefox and stuff like that. You know because like Mozilla is sort of the last linchpin in the open web. You know <laughs> if we kind of think about it, if we take Mozilla out, it's like Apple. Um, Google and IE left, you know? So if, you know, if, if we like downgrade them and, and lose them, it's, it's a, for me, it like starts affecting how the web might grow, you know, if people are, are abandoning Firefox and stuff because of the situation and the people who are make Firefox good are like leaving the company. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's tough, you know? And, but so it seems like a very weird situation, but like you said, it, it's sort of just a name shift for a guy who had already worked there. Uh, and it's not like it, Firefox you know, is now anti-gay marriage or, or, you know, it's not like a new corporate policy or whatever. It's a, you know, but that would be different. I mean, if, if, if they, right. came, yeah, yeah. if they came out and said, this is what we believe as a company, that would be crazy. I mean, hopefully the storm would be such that we are abandoning their browser and stuff, but this is just a, you know, a dug up contributional call, but it's, but, it, but is it that different? I mean, if he still does believe it. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, it's like, I kind of like the idea that 
it's sort of like open standard. It's like web standards, right? It's like we're pushing the world forward by by demanding that people are accountable for the, for the projects they fund and the oppression they support, right? Like, I think that that's it's an important conversation to have, and not that I'm I'm glad that it's hurt like this specific situation is hurting people, but I'm glad that it's being discussed because it is important. Like, who you make money for is incredibly important because if you think about it, like, and I had to think about this at GitHub was who am I making richer by designing this awesome thing by, you know, throwing passion projects, by giving all these good karma points to these people. Like, am I funding my own oppression? Like, am I funding my, like the hatred that like, am I fueling it by, by positively reinforcing this person's actions? Um, and I'm sure a lot of people at Mozilla feel that way too. Like, are they, are you, by you contributing to the organization, are you supporting his views? It's a tough question. Yeah, it's really tough. And the, and I'm even like further complaining. Come vexed. I'm further vexed by the fact that I don't even know who the CEO was before Brendan Mike. <laughs> so yeah. And so I'm like, does it? I don't know. Ah, how deep weird. does it go? Yeah. Yeah. And just how much? Ah. Yeah. It's like people who are like mind blown at when you know um, Fox News is like incredibly racist or something. Follow the money. Like if you ever want to know whose views are being. Um, you know, presented or who, you know, always follow the money, right? Like, I, I don't know, is that in the wire or something? I'm sure. Uh, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to know, like, like what the actual, like who the actual people you are supporting by, you know, watching something, by working for them, you know, you always follow the money and see who, who's funding a project. Um, and, and the, the great thing about open web and open data is you can actually find a lot of that now. Um, which was until recently or until this decade, like hidden and buried and concealed. Um, and it's, I feel like all of us are sort of pioneers in this industry where we're kind of doing our own work to expose that. And we all sort of have this voice because of the internet, right? Like 10 years ago, what would I have done in my situation? Like I wouldn't have had a platform to speak out against, you know, the harassment that I was dealing with at all. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm someone who is poor. I'm someone who well, not uh, like relatively poor in the tech community, I guess I'm someone I'm poor, I'm young and I'm ethnic. So I'm pretty sure that the internet is doing some kind of a job to kind of even the playing field and give, give power to people, or at least give them a microphone and a platform to speak out against abuse. Um, so again, I, I think this is like a really important conversation to have. And I'm glad that everyone like leaders in our industry are having it right now. I think it's really important. Yeah, we got, uh, yeah. That I mean, that was the that's the point of of the speaking out. It's the point of of making a big deal about it when it happens, right? Is that that then these conversations happen? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, we have an a, anonymous question that might be interesting, and it's less you know, it's just it's more about a personal career and what to do and advice and stuff. So, what do you say we move into that? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So an anonymous person writes in. That's very rare, actually. Most people are happy to provide their name on Chop Talk, but but perhaps they just don't want to have their current employer recognize them. I've been working as a front-end developer for a little over five years. Most of what I know is self-taught because I've been working in the same place for my whole career. And sadly, I'm the only member of the team who is interested in keeping up with the industry. I feel like there's not much higher I can go at my current company, so I'm starting to look at where I can go next. Do you guys have advice on where to look for jobs where an experienced front-end developer could learn from their coworkers and be challenged. So I, I, it sounds like front-end front-runner wants to know where to, where to find good jobs. Yeah, and it sounds yeah. like five years of experience and, you know, I would think you could go anywhere, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I guess I don't really understand like what they're afraid of. I think that talk to a lot of people, like talk to, you know, a lot of different teams and get a feel for like what's out there, get to know teams too. I think the biggest mistake that I've made in my career is blindly joining shops that like, I don't really have a lot of like, I don't really know people there really well or what they're capable of, or, you know, their skill set. I think if you spend a lot of time getting to know those things about a company before joining them, like you can make sure that like you have the right expectations in place and that you can learn and grow. And also it's sort of like that, um, you know, if, uh, you know, sports analogy is so lame, I know, but, uh, if you play, you always want to play with people who are like, a little better than you because that's how you're going to grow as a player. Um, and it's the same way. I think it's the same thing in web development. Like I learned, you know, given even my, through my bad experiences, I could have, I grew a ton, um, as far as like being in an environment where I learned a ton through immersion about everything. And, um, I grew a lot by working with people who are better than me at what I do. Yeah. Talk I, to I, teams. Yeah. I like that. But then don't you, isn't it, if you're, if you're full of empathy and you're like, yeah, but it's too bad. Like, shouldn't they be spending time with people who are smarter than them? Suckers. <laughs> I know. Uh, Ariel. I, in, I would, ad- go ahead. Dave. Oh, I would advise go to meetups, local meetups. Every meetup, like in Austin, for example, will start off like with a, Hey, who's hiring? Who's looking for jobs? You guys should meet up together. Yeah, um, absolutely. A ton so, of a ton of people have met at passion projects and um, gotten job. Like, I see people connecting all the time, and not that it's like a recruiting mixer or anything like that, but just connecting with people who are like you and who are interested in the same things as you is like incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find out like what are the what are the I guess forward thinking shops in your um, whatever your your area, and then you can kind of bind on to them and be friends, make friends. That's yeah. a tough thing, but do that on the internet too, man. Like I've met so many awesome people, um, through like just being on Twitter and like, you got to find your people. There's this great, did you guys, did either of you guys go to XOXO? No, it looks so not. great though. The Andy Bayo. It thing. does. Andy Bayo is so great. So, um, I, I, I heard about this after the fact I didn't go either. Um, but, uh, the Dan Harmon, the creator of community gave this amazing talk. Apparently, um, it was told through, you know, like we're developing this like sort of oral, oral st- storytelling thing again, which I love. Um, cause I feel like sometimes we lose that through the internet. Um, but, uh, so I heard this secondhand, but he gave a great talk about finding your people and what that means. And he said, you know, stand on the rooftops and scream and like wave your freak flag, you know, and. Um, because that's how you're going to find your people and connect with people that you can relate to. Um, and that's like my biggest thing. Like I met, you know, Ben Blycamp, who I got my job at GitHub through on Twitter I, and Dribble. Dribble is also a really great place for designers to meet people um, and sort of bond with people. I've met a ton of designers through Dribble actually um, and have become real life friends with them and have been offered jobs through through those avenues. And then also um, through Twitter, I met Adam Brault, who's now my boss and the founder of Anyet. Um, on, on, uh, you know, Twitter and then going to conferences is how you kind of solidify, like you solidify those relationships because you recognize people from online and you're like, wow, like we're meeting you in real IRL, whatever. Um, but you, that's how you bond with people and you understand what they're about and that's how you find your people. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry, digression. Uh, <laughs> that was good. That, that made, I think the, the point was, you know, this person who anonymous person who wrote in about a job. First of all, yeah, you can probably go anywhere. That's a lot of good front end experience. Front end people are hard to hire. I think you'll be good, but but think about while you're doing it, 
meeting that team and where are you getting this offer? Are you just taking it because it's convenient or is there somebody like that you're already connected with on Twitter that might be hiring that you already know and respect and maybe that would be a better option for you and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Artifact Comp coming back to Austin, the birthplace of Artifact Comp. Dave's actually going to be there speaking at it this time. So hey there, yeah. What, um, and they're you know they have a very good anti-harassment policy right on there. So don't worry about this being one of the conferences in which that you don't have anywhere to turn. Should some they do a very turn to good... me, tweet at me. I'll come. I'll come save all you guys. Don't worry. Yeah, that's a as a service. As a service. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. No, that's great. Um. It's it's May 5th through 7th, so it's just in a couple of months here. It's in Austin, Texas. Um, it's, you know, this is maybe the third or fourth one, right? So it's fairly new in the, in the, in the conference land, but it's a, it's a two-day, one-track thing. We got Trent Walton, Jeremy Keith, Brad Frost, Josh Clark, who else? And, um, well, there's, I don't know, there's all kinds of good people at this one. But the kind of the idea behind Artifact was it's kind of like RWD focused, right? Is that right, Dave? Do I have it? Yeah, so it's kind of all about like responsive process and like how uh, if you've like introduced responsive web design into your company, it's probably completely messed up how you guys do things. So it's kind of about talking through issues and how do you kind of uh, bring that process into your kind of life at work, into your organization. Yeah. And Jen Robbins is kind of the, the master of it, right? Kind of put yep. it together. She's the ringleader. Cool. <laughs> Uh, shop talk show gets you a hundred bucks off. So do that. I think what's kind of neat about there'll be a lot of case studies this year. So it'll be like, here's what we did when we redesigned entertainment weekly and how that went down. I, I like this kind of real world stuff. Like this is what we really did. So yeah. Experiments, right? Like mm -hmm. there's nothing like that's how you, I, I always say this, but like the best way to make sure your experience doesn't go to waste is to invest it in the people around you. Those are the talks you want to see, right? It's like people telling a story of something so that you can learn and sort of either avoid their mistakes or uh, learn from their success. Yay. Yeah. I wish there was more of that. Like just you know, everyone does, you know, A, B tests or U, X tests or whatever. And maybe you can't like share secrets or whatever, but I just, I wish people would share that knowledge a little bit more and, and we wouldn't just wait for like a Jacob Nielsen post on like whatever menus are bad or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's all relative, right? Like everyone should accept the idea. Yeah. <laughs> everyone should accept the idea that like it's relative to the users you're building something for, you know, like you have to understand mm -hmm. that like just because an AB test works a certain way for Etsy doesn't mean that it's going to work exactly the same way for you at whatever. And also like for some reason people don't understand about like isolating variables. Have you guys ever gotten the thing where someone's like, oh, we're going to have dueling designers where we just create two different homepages entirely different and test them against each other. And I'm like, that's not exactly how you do A-B testing. Like you actually have to like isolate a variable and test that variable um, and have like a control group and everything. But anyway, sorry, that's just a rant. It's because there'd be like, there's like 50 variables when you redesign yeah. the entire website, right? So you're not actually learning anything. Yeah, that's, um, if you're looking for a new team, never go to a team that has dueling designers as like a part of their process. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, hot tip. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's like, let's test a horizontal scrolling website yeah. versus a, I don't know, like a scroll jacking vertical website. <laughs> By the you way, can do it. anything now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just do it all. Let's have all the options and then we'll make eight people drive our whole company. 
It's wonderful. Anyway, hey, Ariel Infante writes in and says, Ariel writes in and says, there, since there are a lot of web development languages to learn and many developers know the usual HTML, CS, and JavaScript, uh, uh, what language would you say is a niche market to add on to that skill set to, to like increase my higher ability? Um, I have an answer. I'm sorry. I'm totally like hogging the mic, but you guys get You're to do the this guest. all the time. No, so. it's like a day <laughs> off for me. I'm just like, I'm crocheting. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, um, I would oh, no. throw out node or any sort of like server side JavaScript language. You can basically, I mean, it's a way to kind of up your backend skills without having to learn something like Ruby and all its dependencies. Um, I'm uh, the, the consultancy I just joined does like a ton with like real time applications and uh, Node.js. And I'm super psyched to be learning a little bit uh, about Node and becoming more of like an independent, like I feel like the, the way, the reason that like front end developers pick up more things is so that we can become more and more independent and not depend on other people, or at least that's why I've learned, I guess, selfishly. Um, but Node.js is like really awesome for that. And there's a ton of really great projects um, that are being created right now to help with learning Node.js and just um, working with like different open source libraries and stuff like that. So that would be my recommendation if you want to be like niche. And it's getting really big right now. Also, the Node community is awesome. Let me just throw that out there. Like, group of like super supportive people who, um, you know, it's a new community. So there's still sort of like this excitement there and it's just really just a rad group of people. I would, I would agree. If you become a super JavaScript developer, like if, if you want money, if that's like <laughs> your, if your primary motivation, you. uh, that's a good one. Mm. Uh, Lisp, if you want a huge, really, getting, it's coming yeah, back. Lisp, uh, Haskell, yeah. uh, <laughs> If you're, if you're like, if you want security, I've always said like, or I've heard that if you like learn .NET, it's like job for life because. Because there are because so like, few of them or. Well, or just like, it's like enterprise will always exist and it will probably always be .NET and like, so it's like job for life, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say job for life is probably C and low level languages because there are so few of those people. Um, mm -hmm. that there tends to be such a land grab for them. Um, so it, also if you like money and like knowing how a system or a stack works, um, you know, with computers, I would learn C. I'm not smart enough, but I'm sure that whoever this random question person is might be. Um, uh, node, yeah, nodes, I think the best way to go and it's JavaScript. So like yeah. it's in your wheelhouse. So that's what I would choose. Yeah. yeah, shameless yes. plug. Uh, check out the book. One of my coworkers wrote this book called Human JavaScript, um, and it's about like I don't know writing writing JavaScript and Node specifically to make it like consumable for like everyday people, i.e., like human JavaScript, um, not computer JavaScript. So uh, check that out. Shameless plug. There you go. And somebody in the chat room was saying uh, if you WordPress, I'll, like there's always WordPress jobs. So, yeah, and you know what you has go. who has an awesome community. I know we are just loving on the Node community. Who I, I don't know as well, but I hear all kinds of good things. I know lots of people in the WordPress community, and they yeah. are they are good folks. Yeah, and they've they've been doing what they're doing for a long time, also, which is um, I don't know. There's a lot of value there, and there's a lot of like learned thing. Like you can avoid going down the wrong rabbit holes so often because there are so many people who have been doing it for a really long time. <laughs> nice. So maybe we can yeah. end with this. This is kind of a, a long one, but it's an audio question. Hi there. Love your show. 
I look forward to listening every week that you're on. I have a question for you about workflow. I was recently hired by a company to take on a web developer position in their marketing department, working directly for a visual designer. My job is to manage, maintain, and improve upon their current website, a custom Drupal build. My background is in design, front-end development, and WordPress. I have about three years' experience there. So I've been on some pretty wicked learning curves, but it's been a lot of fun learning something new, and I really like Drupal so far. My leadership has also been very supportive and have even allowed me to contract temporarily with the site's original developer so that I can get up to speed as quickly as possible. My goals for the year have recently been set, and they include building four more sites that are based on the current main site, same theme and basic architecture, at least two more standalone sites that have completely different designs and architectures, they'll undergo a full brand audit, analytics for all outward-facing sites, and user experience and front-end development for the company's soon-to-be-revamped SharePoint-based intranet site. I'll be working with the back-end SharePoint developer there. I'd love to get your perspective on if this sounds like a lot for one developer for a one-year period, or if I'm not thinking openly enough about managing all of this. All of the outward-facing sites will be in version control, and I'm using deployment tools to help me along, learning them as I go. Is there a point, however, where I should tell them that I'll need support? My fear is that I'll be spread too thin and will do a poor job at each task. I absolutely love the team I'm on, as well as working on something that I can stay with long-term. So I'd really like to make this work. Thank you so much. That's a big, big, interesting question, right? Like, she got this list of things to be expected of her over a year, including, it sounds like, six different sites. Looks sounds like kind of new builds. And affecting adding analytics and stuff to other sites and stuff. It does sound like a lot for a year, if you ask me. It sounds like a lot, a lot of maintenance and a lot of like new development too. Mm-hmm. Um, I would absolutely ask for help. I mean, if you have that fear, like go with your gut. <laughs> if you're already feeling like you may be spread too thin, you need to ask for help. And I think in the long run, like even if you think that that may make you look a specific way, like not prepared enough, I don't think that's the case at all. I think it'll make you look better in the end once you've successfully delivered on all these projects with, you know, a teammate or something like that. I think it's way too much work for one person. I think your instinct is absolutely right. If you, if you feel overwhelmed and you haven't even started yet, you, everything is always harder than it seems like, you know, like, like, like think of how hard you think it's going to be and like triple it. Yeah. So yeah, or here's another way you might approach it is be like, okay, which what's the most important one of these six sites or projects or whatever they're going to be? Let me try to do one of them and just see what it gonna it's going to take, and then we can evaluate that after a month or two months or six months or whatever, and be like, how far, how much percentage of this have I gotten done? And then since I have a year, we'll do the we can evaluate more accurately and, and maybe I can bring somebody on for the, for the second, for, you know, for the last eight months or the last six. Yeah. And it's, it's going to drive you crazy if you, if you don't have the bandwidth to focus on one thing and get it out of the door and then move on to the next. Like I, I, I found myself in the position of like, wow, I'm focusing on five different things right now and everything is moving so slowly for me that it's almost like I don't have the momentum to keep going in a way. Like I, it gets like, I feel like that's how we get burned out really easy. So my advice for at least tackling these things would be to focus on one of them first, ship it, you know, and then iterate on it, but then move on to something else. Um, Maybe she can do that and 
and t- take as much as you can from the first one because I mean theoretically they're all related a little bit. It doesn't sound like this is a. Yeah. Uh, uh, it sounds like this is an internal thing. It doesn't sound like it's an agency where where they're totally unrelated things. So if you're using Drupal, good, fine. It sounds like you really like it. Um, can you? Is there some kind of like Drupal multi-site? You know what I mean? Like where you can like recycle. You can have one in so- software instance power all the different sites. So you can kind of I don't know get really comfortable with that one piece of software. So the third site. Is is you can do, pull off a lot faster. The fourth site is second nature, you know. Yeah, like compartmentalize, right? Like um, try to build components for things that you can reuse. I mean, this is like really, you know, kind of buzzwordy now, like considering like frameworks like Bootstrap and everything like that. But if you're working with, you know, multiple apps that kind of live in the same place or with the same in the same environment, like yeah, absolutely, try to like build things so that they can be reused. Um, but that, that's, really that's great advice, though, because it's like a, a type of component that matters to this, whatever it is. Is it a university or something? I can't, I don't even know if, if Jennifer said, but uh, it, it, you might find that in this university, they have like a need for like a specific kind of events calendar and that, but, yeah. but that's, that's not generic. It's like, not like one that you can just go take from the internet. You had to kind of custom build it to meet the needs for it. The chances of it being a different department in the same university needing that same kind of module would be worth it. And now you've got one, it's already done. Just chuck it in there. <laughs> yeah. And then also leverage open source as much as you can, like get in IRC or get on, get start talking to people and see if what you have to build, you know, doesn't have to be completely custom. If you can leverage some open source projects to get that, that work done faster or to help you at least build like a solid foundation um, to start out with. Good. Good luck, Jennifer. And, and your instincts are probably right. Trust yourself. You probably do need a little help here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can fr- either fry the big fish or the little fish first. Uh, you can, you Good know. metaphor, Dave. <laughs> <Just choose, laughs> either, either choose the big one or the little small ones to get out the way first. And then, like Chris said, like do one and then see where you're at. So, But my guess, that SharePoint one is going yeah. to be cool. I would maybe hire somebody who knows how to do that, especially because it's internal and that's where all the like crazy comes out. Yeah. Speaking no. speaking uh, of the value of a .NET developer, <laughs> SharePoint is a big one. Um, and there are SharePoint developers. Like there are people who do that full time. So um, hire one of those maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Awesome. Uh, I think that's all the questions we have um, for today. Is that right? Sound right? Yeah. I mean, to do one no, more? that's all right. Yeah. That was a nice one to end with. We're, I think we're about to a lot of times time. we'll pack an extra one in and screw it up. This, that was a strong ending. Cool. Yeah. We got in strong and strong guys. Strong. All right. Uh, cool. So Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, hearing, you know, your perspective is, is really awesome and rich. So, uh, before we sign off, how can people follow you if they're not following you already? How can they give you money? And then how? what is the one big thing you'd like to kind of plug uh, before you go? Um, well, first, you have to invite me back to talk about CSS because I'm pretty <laughs> given, you know, my recent experience. I knew that we would end up talking about it, but like I didn't get to drop my background color pink driven development <laughs> thing that I had planned. So we're going to have to, I need to come back. That's, that's the one thing. Sure, I we'll plug. line it up. Um, also, uh, you can follow me at nerdcore with three R's, no E 
um, on Twitter, but also um, go to passionprojects.github.io and sign up for our newsletter because we're going to be doing really, really awesome things with passion projects uh, going forward. Um, and then if you're looking for, you know, a consultancy group, obviously I work at Anyet, um, and we can help you out in a million different ways. And thank you guys for having me. You guys are both, uh, you know, obviously big heroes of mine. So it was awesome to hang out and chat with you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And thank you everyone for coming out in the chat room and showing up live. We always appreciate you. And then, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at shop talk show. Uh, Hey, we have a new ability. You can actually get you. There's a little subscribe button on the website now, and you can click that and you can get a newsletter or it's basically just the post, but you can get, uh, updates about when we post episodes right to your inbox, which should help you because we are super inconsistent about <laughs> releasing episodes so uh with that uh Chris, oh yeah we did that is that what you said we have the new little subscribe button now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm getting a kick out Super of that handy. actually i need some f- help from somebody i wonder if i could plug it here and i would actually get help it actually worked the last time i did this it's just two seconds so you know you're, you're writing a blog post and you want to put an image in the blog post so you write image source equals like cool chart dot jpeg or whatever but you don't have any width and height attributes on it because who does that anymore who cares right just let <laughs> it resize to the thing but let's say it, you know you're, the column that it goes in on your blog is 500 pixels wide but it's naturally like 1200 pixels wide and you just let it scale down because you want it to look good on retina and whatever. It's like a ping and it's fairly small anyway, whatever. But then it goes out to your RSS feed uh, and then and people are reading and then that like maybe gets sucked down by uh, email thing, right? That like reads the RSS feed and then mm-hmm. sends it to an email and then it goes into this like mobile formatted email structure and it totally destroys the layout of it because it stretches the table that it's in out all the way wide. I need somebody to, I want to help with some like pH, like to make a custom feed for WordPress that will like grep for whatever, like regex through my post content, find anywhere that I'm using images and like apply some max width stuff to them. So I could send that RSS feed to um, the RSS to email thing and have the emails on mobile look good. I'm having trouble with it right now because I don't know backend stuff that well. So that's my plug. Twitter me and help me. All right. There we go. Shopdogshow.com.